At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Okay, welcome to it, ladies and gentlemen. Time to start off another Friday edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always. Thank you for being with me. Happy to have you along here for this Friday edition of the show because we have plenty to preview and we are very excited, naturally, for the big game with the Madhouse on Madison hosting the Chicago Bulls and the Milwaukee Bucks. Series knotted up at one apiece. We're feeling pretty good about it after that game as Bulls fans. And, well, it's a tricky one for Game 3. No Chris Middleton. Bulls maybe catching some momentum after that game. But as Alex Caruso stated in that post-game clip, the Bulls' Twitter account tweeted, you know, it's human nature, right? You lose one, now they're expected to bounce back and win. They're going to be the team with the chip on their shoulder. The Bulls are going to feel the pressure in this game more so than the Bucs, honestly. They know they're champions. They know they shouldn't be losing to the Bulls. The Bulls need to go out and play damn near a perfect game once again. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about a few props that stand out to me as of this point. And then in the second part of this episode, we'll get into some baseball. The Cubs, another, oh my God, another disappointing loss against the Pirates, the White Sox. Oh, man, Chicago baseball, no bueno as at this point. But we'll preview the Sox game mostly. Barely touch on the Cubs because they got an afternoon game, but we'll just talk about the overall scope of things at the friendly confines. So uh, some baseball to talk about in part two. And don't forget to check out Rush Hour tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Uh, We'll be having on... Alex Barutha, who's the assistant NBA editor at Rotowire, and Jonathan Davis, 
Great work when it comes to hockey at Sirius XM NHL Radio. So always a blast having those guys on. So we'll talk some hoops. We'll talk some hockey. And of course, if I have some other bets, meaning in hockey or with the other basketball games or in other baseball games, you know I'll have you squared away on Rush Hour. Having a great week as of this point. You know, knock on wood, hopefully we can end it strong. I had a nice 2-0 effort last evening. John Morant under 1.5 three-point field goals made at plus 110. Cashed that. And then the Warriors, for some reason, were a small favorite. Thought they should have been bigger. They come through. They're up 3-0 against the Nuggets team that, look, as great as Jokic is, is great as you may think that home court advantage is, well, they don't have anyone else to score. So figured the Warriors were the right play, and it turns out they were, and they're probably going to end up sweeping the Nuggets. So a nice 2-0 effort after a 3-1 the day prior, hoping to keep that rolling into the weekend. All righty, let's get it kicked off with the Bulls and the Bucks. We already previewed this game a little bit. Yesterday, I told you this line opened anywhere. Some books had it three, some books had it minus one and a half in favor of Milwaukee. But now what's important is where is this spread as of this moment? I am recording this at about 9.40 a.m. Central Time. So currently at Bet Rivers, the Bucks are now a three-point favorite. Minus 143 on the money line for Milwaukee. If you think the Bulls can lead the series 2-1, to one, their money line price is plus 120. Total open 223.5. Now it's dipped down to 222.5. We've already seen two unders. We've seen several unders from these regular season meetings between these squads. So not a surprise really to see it continue to go to the under. What's kind of unfortunate is that they don't have the series price posted right now. The updated one at Bet Rivers. We went over all the other ways you can bet it meaning the spread for the series, the total games, the exact prices, all that good stuff. But if you're looking at some other outlets, the Bulls are about plus 225 with their series price. The Bucks minus 286. Remember, this thing was over 1,000. It was like, what, like minus 1115 for Milwaukee. The Bulls were like, I don't know, plus maybe 650 or something as high as that. One game changes everything dramatically. And, of course, the injury to Chris Middleton. What kind of impact is that going to serve to this game. Well, I had the pleasure of talking with Chris Miles of NBA TV last night on Rush Hour, and here's a clip of what he had to say about the impact of Chris Middleton not only being out for this game against the Bulls, this series against the Bulls, but really what kind of alteration that can have to this Bucks squad if they were to make it past Chicago and through the remainder of the postseason. Here he is talking about that on my show Rush Hour last night. Well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, Chris Middleton... You know, he struggled to find his rhythm uh, in the first game and halfway through the second game. But he was the catalyst that looked like he was going to lead the comeback for the Bucks in game two. He had 13 points in the second quarter. And Middleton is that microwave kind of player. If you remember their finals run last year, he had multiple 20-point quarters. And it really propelled the Bucks when their offense would struggle a bit. I mean, you look at this game two loss to the Chicago Bulls, Giannis. 33, 18, and 9 in a losing effort. Drew Holiday, 15, 5, and 5. An excellent defense on DeMar DeRozan at times, slowing him down when he looked like he was unstoppable. Without Chris Middleton, at times, this offense is going to struggle. The combination of Grayson Allen and um, the other shooter they have out there. Pat uh, Connaughton. Pat Connaughton. They were 2 for 10 from the field. So those two guys are going to need to step up uh, if the Bucks are going to be able to, one, win this series and hold their weight when Chris Middleton is out. 
Yeah, and really, that's been the difference a lot of times when these two teams have squared off, Chris. I've been critical of the Bulls like many others because they don't really have a lot of role players who can step up and knock down those open shots, it seemed, like Milwaukee's had so often. But you saw the Bulls and their key players hitting the shots last night when it mattered. Now the question is, can they keep doing it for the remainder of this series? And like you said, can the Bucks fill the void of Chris Middleton, who, like you also said, and I think you're right, if he doesn't get injured, we're probably having a different conversation here about what concluded throughout game two so it's going to be interesting to see what that dynamic is going to persist of between the Bucks and the Bulls but I mean you know Chris if you're looking at the remainder of this series I guess we'll have to wait to see what this Bucks team looks like without him but if I gave you say a hundred dollars right now who are you putting your money on to win this series as of this point looking at this series correct score I would go Bucks to win four to two at plus 275 I think the Bulls are absolutely going to get another game uh, but, man, Vooch made four threes. Uh, Zach Levine was very, very efficient, seven for 13 from the field. And DeMar DeRozan, that's his first 40-point playoff game. That's what the Bulls needed and Chris Middleton uh, and Bobby Portis both out in the game yeah. for the Bulls to come out on top. I mean, that was a near-perfect game. And Alex Caruso, um, you know, 10 assists, nine points, two steals, offensive rebound at the end of the game was just incredible. All of those things had to come together where I don't know if the Bucks played their best game. Like I just said, uh, Connaughton and Allen, two for 10 from the field. I think they're going to shoot better than that. So I would go four to two Bucks win a series. All right. That was it. Chris Miles of NBA TV at Chris Miles TV, where you can follow him on Twitter. What do you think? Do you agree with what he's saying? The Bulls did pretty much play a perfect game. The Bucks, well, I thought in game one, you know, with their turnovers, that was almost an aberration. But in game two, they also did very similar mistakes, right? They committed those turnovers on a consistent basis. Now, I believe, like we were saying yesterday, the Bulls actually ended up with more. But the point is, Milwaukee, a championship team with that type of roster, they typically don't commit those egregious errors. And the Bulls took advantage of it, unlike in game one. In the second half, they did take advantage of it. And are you going to get Booch to knock down at least three triples? Had four in game two, like Chris said. You need that. You need Levine to be as efficient as he was. Potentially more so. You need him to be more aggressive, especially in the fourth. And yeah, DeRozan scored a 40-piece. Of course, that's tremendous. And well, honestly, you damn near might need that in every game. At least about 30-plus. But can he get Kobe White to step up this game? And on the side of Milwaukee, like Chris Miles was saying... How often can you expect Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen not to knock down their shots? Like, Grayson Allen is the Bulls' enemy now. We know that because of the Caruso incident. But he's also been a lot better scorer, especially against the Bulls. He's going to, like, end up being the Bull killer. But oddly enough, yeah, he had a poor game in Game 2. Does that happen again? Does that happen and persist with Pat Connaughton? And now with Chris Middleton out, what does that mean? Because now you got to have those guys step up even more so. You would think that's a benefit for the Bulls in the sense that they could focus their defensive efforts in their in specific areas more so. Like, for example, I mean, Drew Holiday is going to have to be number two or three, depending on what Brooke Lopez and his efforts going to look like. But then at that point, I mean, Wesley Matthews. And then you get Grace now, and then you get Connaughton. So how are the Bulls going to close out, and how can they rotate? They made very, they made very good adjustments in the second half of that first game, and then really the entire game for game two. 
So can they keep that up? Can they keep their energy up? Again, that's the difference. Like the Bulls are really only having a six-man rotation at best at this point. And I know they get Tristan Thompson and Derrick Jones Jr. They'll get Javante Green and Kobe White in there and Io for a little bit. But really, it's not that deep of a rotation. And they're doing it the way they should. I mean, you got to keep your core guys out there in the playoffs right now. But it's tiring trying to limit Giannis in that whole Bucks offense that anyone can score. You don't have as lethal weapons as the Bucks do. That's why it was a blessing that they missed a lot of open shots. Not sure that's going to continue on. That's why the Bulls have to continue to make their uncontested shots themselves. Grab the loose rebounds. Don't let the Bucks get them off the free throws especially. And don't get caught off guard because Middleton's out. You're thinking, all right, you know, it's kind of a pass for us. Nah. You still got to go balls to the wall. We talk about the fallen star fallacy. That could absolutely be in play with Milwaukee here. And it wouldn't shock me if they win this game. I'm not going to bet it. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. And hopefully see a Bulls dub. And maybe cash a player prop or two if we end up getting into it. Well, I will get into it here on the show. But in terms of officially playing them. But Chris Miles made a great point. He's right. I mean, the Bulls have to play flawlessly. And really, you know... That's what people were saying coming into this series, the Hail Mary effort for the Bulls. If it was going to come through, it was going to be because the Bucks suffered an injury of some sort. And the Bulls pretty much had to shoot lights out from all their top guys. Well, they shot lights out in game two and, well, you miss Chris Middleton and you're going to. And we're forgetting, too, that Bobby Portis missed the majority of the game, who is also going to be a Bulls killer. Especially maybe back at the UC, taunting everyone. Not that he has ill will. Eh, maybe he does. Who knows? You get my point. I mean, Bobby Portis playing is going to make a big difference. Who would have thought we'd be saying that four years ago? Jeez. I mean, good for him, but man. I'm telling I mean, Chris is right. Again, I mean, like, if, if Bobby didn't get injured, if Middleton didn't get injured, are we even talking about the Bulls being tied up with the Bucks at 1-1? One and, one? and it's ifs and buts. I get it. It's BS. The Bulls are missing Lonzo Ball. Like, we could play this excuse game back and forth. Absolutely. I'm just saying. Don't get incredibly overexcited about that win. Be happy about it. Be proud about it. But I just don't want to see us Bulls fans get our hearts broken, man. You got to realize who you're going up against, and one game doesn't change everything. Or maybe it does. Depends what happens tonight. Could go either way. Wouldn't be shocked. Seriously. If the Bulls won again, I wouldn't be shocked after how they won in Game 2, knowing Middleton's out, coming back to the UC. Why would that be surprising at this point? And if the Bucks go out there and win, hell, even if they dominate, is that going to shock you? No. You've seen that happen numerous times this year. So really, any outcome, unless the Bulls win by like 20 or more, would not shock me. I'm excited for it nevertheless, though. Can't wait. Well, unfortunately, I'll be on a flight. I got a wedding out in Houston this weekend, so I'm going to see if I could get some Wi-Fi on the flight or get a hold of the game somehow. Otherwise, you guys should be tweeting at me at DannyBurke5 and let me know what I should be bitching about or looking to be complaining about or celebrating if everything's going according to plan. But yeah, feel free to let me know. I need the updates. All right, speaking of those props, folks, let's get into it. Taking a look at Bucks and Bulls with a few players whose props stand out to me. As of this moment. So let's get into it. Starting with Patrick Williams. Yes, that's right. The paw. Patrick Williams. What can he do tonight on the stat sheet? So I considered his rebounds prop. Because as I was sweating out Vooch's 
uh, the other night, Patrick Williams, I'm looking, and he had nine. I'm like, this guy's stealing some of the boards that Vooch should be getting because Patrick Williams was getting a substantial amount of playing time in that game, which rightfully so, and he should. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll keep that in the back of my mind when I look for props in game three. So I'm looking at his rebounds. I'm looking at his points just for reference, and it was like, you know, four and a half for the rebounds and his points, I think, is eight and a half or nine and a half, whatever it may be. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I fully trust one versus the other because maybe him getting those, what, nine rebounds, whatever it was, it's kind of an outlier, right? But at the same time, if they're using similar rotations and Vooch is going to be occupied, it's probably not an outlier. And this is an opportunity us Bulls fans, knowing what Billy Donovan is going to implement, can take advantage of it. Because these operators, well, it really just goes off of statistics and what he's averaging. During the regular season, Patrick Williams, he averaged nine points per game and four rebounds per game. During the postseason, he got five points and three rebounds the first game, 10 points and nine rebounds the second game. So yeah, there you go. 10 points and nine rebounds in the last game. So almost a double-double for P. Will. Now, in 19 total games, including the regular season and postseason, He's gone over, and so I guess I skipped the part. So what I'm looking at, again, I'm not fully confident to say that he can get over 8.5 or 9.5, whatever it is, points, because it's tough to rely on a guy that's not getting that many shot opportunities or even taking advantage of him when he has him. I mean, he missed a couple threes in both games. And in terms of rebounding, yeah, I've got some good faith in there for him to go over 4.5. Don't get me wrong, I definitely do. But just in case he ends up at like four, the bounces aren't going his way. He's finding himself more along the perimeter as opposed to down at the rim. Well, maybe if you do a combination of the points and the rebounds, that could get you a little bit better bang for your buck. Maybe, just maybe. I just want to ponder the idea here. So you look around and 13 and a half for Patrick Williams points and rebounds. The best number I saw for the over was plus 105. Now, that's the difference here, too. I mean, you could absolutely do Patrick Williams over his rebounds, four and a half. The difference is that you're laying minus 130 for P. Will over four and a half rebounds. Or you could go Patrick Williams points and rebounds combination prop bet over 13 and a half at plus 105 if you shop around. So he's gone over four and a half rebounds in six out of 19 games. Guess what? He has also eclipsed points and rebounds of 13 and a half in six out of 19 games. And you're getting plus money for this category, remember, as opposed to laying minus buck 30 with just the rebounds. Now, I don't have a problem doing just the rebounds, but if you don't want to lay minus 130, well, maybe look for some plus money. Well, can you rely on Patrick Williams to score against Milwaukee specifically? Well, Patrick Williams has actually gone up against the Bucks four times this year. And versus Milwaukee counting both regular season and playoff games. He's averaging about 10 points per game and five and a half rebounds per game. And he's gone over 13 and a half points and rebounds in two out of four games. Got six points and four rebounds one game. 18.6 rebounds another. Five points, three rebounds in another game. And then 10 points and nine in the most recent effort. So again, He's gone over it in two spots. And it's been the games where he has played more than 30 minutes. That's when he has gone over this against Milwaukee. 
Give him more time, he'll create more opportunities and pad his stats even more so. In fact, every game except for one game this season that he's played 30 or more minutes, he's gone over 13 and a half rebounds and points with that combo prop in every single one. Except for one where he missed it by just one point, had 13. That was against the Pistons at the beginning of the year. So if he's getting ample playing time, 30 plus minutes, this is absolutely live. And if he's hitting the points and rebounds over 13 and a half at the same clip, he's hitting over four and a half rebounds, yet the four and a half rebounds is minus 130 and the points and rebounds prop at his plus 105, at that point, I would strongly consider getting the better payout of the plus money. Now, again, that's not me saying going over four and a half rebounds is the wrong bet. It could absolutely be the right one. You could get five points and, you know, or five rebounds, excuse me, and like eight points and you get screwed. But more often than not, in a smaller sample size with Williams, if he's getting over four and a half rebounds, he's getting over points and rebounds combination of 13 and a half. So if you're fine laying the minus 130 and you only want to rely on the rebounding, then not a bad idea to go that way. I completely get it. But I'm thinking based on the sample size that it's fairly correlated and you're getting a better payout. And based on the rotation with Patrick Williams in the starting lineup and the fact that the Bulls won with that rotation, you got to think Billy Donovan keeps it the same. And we'll see a lot more Patrick Williams, which we should. Absolutely. So I think you should strongly consider a combination prop of Patrick Williams points and rebounds over 13 and a half at some plus money. Again, you know, give yourself some choices. Go to many different outlets, right? That's a beauty you have and the advantage you have is a better with regulated sports books. Now you could be thinking because some books do the points, rebounds and assists. The reason you don't want to include the assist with Patrick Williams, because then you get an added number, for example. So instead of the points, rebounds being 13 and a half, if it's points, rebounds, and assists, it's going to be 14 and a half because he averages less than an assist per game, yet they're expanding it by one more. So why would you increase the prop bet from 13 and a half to 14 and a half to add another statistical category that he really rarely ever contributes in? I mean, he got three assists in one of these playoff games, but it's so sporadic, he's averaging less than an assist per game. So no need to add that extra number because more often than not, he's not going to contribute multiple assists. So just keep it at the points and the rebounds, 13 and a half to the over. Or if you just want to do the rebounds over four and a half, again, I have no issue with that. All right, let's talk about another Bulls player here. And no, I'm not talking Levine. No, I'm not talking DeRozan. You could consider Vooch over 20 and a half points. He's gone over it in both games, 24 points, I believe, in both contests. And I really don't hate it. I just almost don't want to be a Vooch curse here and, you know, bet him over and he stays completely under. And with DeRozan, his points prop was like 29 and a half, which he can absolutely get over. And you know what he probably does, but I'm fine just cashing that 27 and a half, boy. Chilling for now. We'll see what they look like at home after the win. That's what's strange. Like, not that you can't rely on the Bulls' top guys who've been doing it consistently, but how do they respond? Are they still going to knock down these shots? Are they still going to be competing with the Bucks in this Game 3 environment that is unknown to a lot of these guys? The whole playoffs was unknown to a majority of this team. How do they go out and respond? That's the big question. Well, one guy who we know who we can bank on responding is Alex Caruso. And what was fascinating, well, one of the many fascinating things that Caruso had out on the floor was his ability to facilitate the ball and dishing out dimes, man. He had some 
fantastic passes out there. I mean, just really great looks from Caruso. Not your standard point guard, but he did the role very well. So his assist prop is at 4.5. Over plus 110 is the best juice I saw, or the best value rather, but it did have the highest juice, under being minus 140. Now, Caruso during the regular season averaged 4 assists per game. Remember, his prop is at 4.5. Now, including the playoffs, he's played in 43 games and he's only gotten more than 4.5 assists excuse me, in 17 out of 43 games. But let's look a little bit more narrowly. What about versus Milwaukee? Well, he's been in five games versus Milwaukee. And against the Bucks, he's averaging six assists per game and has gone over four and a half assists against Milwaukee in three out of five games. Now, also, he got four assists in the first game they played where he got injured and was taken out. So if he wasn't injured by Grayson Allen, who knows? He could have gotten one more. And then we'd be having a conversation of him getting more than four and a half assists against the Bucks in four out of five games. We talk about rotations. We talk about how the lineup's looking different and how we can take advantage of it from a prop standpoint. We just mentioned that with Patrick Williams. The books don't adjust because they look statistically. Same thing with Caruso, maybe. You saw him create those opportunities at the point guard role. You saw him get a lot of playing time. Now, of course, you have to rely on the Bulls to knock down their open looks. But if they are, the opportunities are absolutely there. Caruso's doing a great job cutting through to the lane, and then everybody's crashing, and then he dishes it out. Guys are doing backdoor cuts. Patrick Williams had a great one that Caruso gave him the ball to. So Caruso's got some good vision out there. And I know in the first game he had like one or two assists, whatever it was. He had two assists, and 10 was a record for him, or at least in the playoffs it was. And I'm not saying he's going to get 10, guys, but the fact that you're still getting plus money to this prop going over, and I don't want to overreact too much to one game. I get it. Don't worry. But again, if Milwaukee continues to crash and the Bulls around the perimeter are open and knocking their shots down, a big if, if they're knocking their shots down, I'm looking at you, Levine. You need to keep hitting those threes, baby. Then Caruso should be set up in a very good spot to get over four and a half assists and a good payout here of plus 110. And I get it, it's not like plus 170, it's not huge, but for a prop, you're typically not going to get it that big if it's set right. So very strongly consider Caruso over four and a half assists at plus 110. I'm going to let this one dissect a little bit, see if by the time I get on rush hour, I make it an official play. But those are two props that are standing out to me for the Bulls players that I think could be a viable wager. How about the side of Milwaukee? Who's the guy that stands out? Well, Brooke Lopez. How could he not? His points prop is low as 15 and a half. Juice on the over, minus 124. Unders plus 102. Now, Lopez has played four games versus Chicago this year. And in those four games, he is now averaging 20.3 points per game and has gone over this prop mark for tonight of 15 and a half in three out of four meetings. First game during the regular season only dropped 10. Then he said, screw it, I'm going to play like an all-star. Dropped 28. Then dropped 18 in game one and 25 in game two. The man is unstoppable. He's hitting threes that are about to hit the ceiling. He's getting slammed dunks left and right like he's, again, like in his prime. It's unbelievable. So 18 points and 25 points respectively in the two postseason games. This postseason, Lopez, 41% of his shot attempts coming at the rim, 34% of them coming beyond the arc. He's making 36% of those three-point shots and 75% of his shot attempts at the rim. 
Remember, the Bulls were a poor three-point defense, but this postseason, actually, they're limiting the Bucs to making just 33% of their three-point attempts compared to the regular season where they ranked 27th in the league, allowing opponents to make 37.2%. Good improvement. Now, at the rim, this postseason, the Bulls have been atrocious. I mean, the Bucs are making over 75.5% of their shot attempts within four feet of the bucket. Incredibly high. Now, it, it doesn't help that you're going against Giannis and then you get a big body like Lopez going there too. So, you know, it, it's not necessarily indicative of what could occur post this series. But all that matters is this series and the fact that Brooke Lopez, specifically because of this prop, has been getting great looks at the rim. I'm surprised the number is low at 15.5. I probably would have put it at like 17.5 myself. And especially that Middleton's out. I mean, what does that do? Does that hurt Brooke Lopez because it doesn't spread the floor as much and open up opportunities if the Bulls are crashing on him? Or does it aid him in the sense that he knows he has to step up even more so? I mean, how could he? He's been playing amazingly. 18 and 25 points, that's beyond expectations for Brooke Lopez, let's be honest. So how much more can the dude step up? You got to consider that, though. If you want to look objectively, you want to look at another outlet, Brooke Lopez going over his points prop. If he does it again, folks, it's going to be heavily adjusted. But something to consider. Is it a fluke, those first two games? Or is this the Brooke Lopez you're going to get this whole series? I'd probably gravitate toward the latter. Bulls don't have a lot of big bodies. You're focused on Giannis. That opens up Brooke Lopez. Tough to stop him at the rim. Tough to close out on him when you're crashing on others. So I would lean toward Lopez going over 15.5 points. Minus 124. But if you want to stick with the Bulls props, very much so consider Caruso over 4.5 assists at plus 110. By the way, I think last game it was 3.5 if I'm not mistaken. My buddy took it, cashed it over. So I think it moved up a point. But still like the plus money to the over. And hey, like we've talked about before, if you do get Caruso at 3.5, yeah, I'd lay a price up to like minus 135, 140 maybe to bet that over. And then Patrick Williams, like we discussed, over. 13 and a half points and rebounds, plus 105. I might have a little more faith in Caruso, just because Patrick Williams is a young guy, a lot of energy coming to the UC, maybe some jitters in there, but he's played like a vet. I mean, game two, he had some great shots, great boards, solid defense. You can trust this kid for the most part, I'd say. So look at those props when you're looking to handicap tonight's game. I'll talk more about it tonight on Rush Hour. VSIN.com 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. Okay, switching gears next, talking a little bit of baseball. What the hell is going on with our Chicago baseball clubs? We'll talk about that, handicap their games for Friday, coming up next here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three leg, same game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537.
Alrighty, let's head over to the Diamond, talk a little bit about Chicago baseball, a little recap of these two teams, and then a preview at least of the White Sox and Twins game, because that's a night one, and by the time you're listening to this, well, the Cubs and the Pirates probably already underway. Speaking of the Cubs and the Pirates, got to address the game last night, just the Cubs in general. Uh, they lost to the Pirates again. What, they've lost now two out of three to the AAA team Pittsburgh? How can you even call them a AAA team if you're Chicago? Guess what? You can't because the Cubs are playing like a damn AAA team at this point. We got very hyped about the hitting, and rightfully so. The hitting was nowhere to be found last night against the Pirates. And now you're getting Jose Quintana today, who hopefully you freaking take advantage of, or he's going to make a statement and embarrass you, the former Cub at Wrigley Field. Now, you already went up against Jose Quintana one time this season, okay? And in that game, you only got five hits and one earned run. Now, the Cubs did get the job done. Sorry, something went up in my laptop if you heard that noise. Uh, the Cubs did win that game 2-1. to one. Then he went up against Washington, three earned runs, five hits. They won that game 5-3. to three. Look, it would be very Chicago sports-like to have someone like Quintana come to Wrigley Field and damn near pitch a no-hitter. That would not shock anybody. But again, the Cubs come into this game on a three-game losing streak, a little concerning, more so just because you lost to the Pirates. The hitting was bad last night. It's still been fairly solid. Um, Drew Smiley, southpaw for the Cubbies, coming on the bump. We'll see what Smiley can do. I, you know... Last night was a disaster. I mean, lighter. I had no faith in him. We talked about it. The market moved their way, and I'm like, I'm not laying 160 with this guy. Are you kidding me? My only bet would have been the total going over. It did go over, but I didn't play it. I didn't do anything in that game. But uh, Smiley's actually allowed no earned runs. Four hits against the Rockies, three against Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, yeah, trust Smiley a little bit if you want. Uh, you know, they're up to, like, minus 175 or so. The movement's gone their way. You got to think they're due for a win here. Again, like I say, if you don't want to lay that much, look for the run line. But if you do want to bet this game, yeah, I, <laughs> despite it being the Jose Quintana revenge game, maybe, I do think the Cubs will take advantage here. I was actually at that game last night. Got in after work, coming from Rivers. Got in for the third inning or so. Met with all my friends in the bleachers. Big fight out in uh, left center. Not great to see that in the friendly confines. It was fun, though, because the security guard ran out to get a shoe on the field. Everyone's going nuts. And then people are trying to start the wave. Like, what the hell are we doing? That's why the Cubs lost. Everybody also kind of left early. That was weird to see. And no one's really standing up when it was like 3-2 with a runner in scoring position. That was kind of odd to see. Cubs fans got to step it up a little bit here. I know it's early, but it was a nice night. Come on, it was Thursday night. Um, Suzuki had a rough game, man. That was tough to see. He didn't get a hit. When we had a guy on third with two outs, struck out. I think he had a few or a couple strikeouts last night. Look, it's baseball. You're going to have a regression every now and then. But yeah, the hitting was just terrible last night. Need a bounce back from the Cubbies today. Speaking of terrible, how about the White Sox? Good Lord. Getting swept by the Guardians? A division opponent and one that's supposed to stink at that? Oof. My Sox friends, what the hell is going on here? I get it. We're not panicking, but man. No bueno. And now you're going to Minnesota, a team that, yeah, they probably do typically well against you, if I recall correctly. It opened pretty much a pick -em. But right now at Bet Rivers, the odds we're seeing for the White Sox and the Twins has Chicago minus 109, Minnesota minus 108. So again, pretty much a pick -em. 
If you want to go the run line with Chicago, it's plus 155 to lay it. If you want to take the run in the hook with Minnesota, you're laying minus 186. Total open eight. This is dipped down to seven in the hook, minus 109 on the juice each way. So the White Sox got swept in three games at Cleveland. They're now on a four-game losing streak. The Twins coming off a 1-0 win at Kansas City yesterday. You're getting Michael Kopech, the righty, starting for Chicago. And two games started, he's gone nine innings pitched, allowed just three hits, two earned runs, and eight strikeouts. A one ERA flat, a 0.78 whip, but a very concerning XFIP of 4.99. That's more the true indication of what you should expect based on how these pitches and contact of the pitches have gone down. And also what's concerning, folks, he's got a 23.8% ground ball rate. Remember, we want that typically above 40%. So that's very concerning. Not a lot of grounders from Kopech. Is he getting strikeouts? Yes. Deep fly balls? Yeah, a couple. A few when I was at the game on Saturday. So maybe err on the side of caution with Kopech. Just a tad bit, especially with the slumping White Sox team and going on the road against the Twins. Now, speaking of against the Twins, he went four games against Minnesota last year. Remember, he was in relief, so he didn't start any. Had five innings pitched, allowed three hits, one earned run, four strikeouts, 1.80 ERA. Twins had a 176 batting average against Kopech. Again, didn't start any of those games. A man who is familiar in the starting role is Bailey Ober. The big righty, I remember his debut against the White Sox last season. Did fairly well against Chicago, not bad. Uh, this season, he's pitched two games. He's 1-1, one one, 11 innings pitched, 8 hits, 4 earned runs, 7 strikeouts, 205 opponent batting average this season. 3.27 ERA, high XFIP, yes, a little concerning, 4.87, and a whip of 1.00. Also, what's not good for Ober, his ground ball percentage, even worse than Kopech, 17.6%. Yikes! Could see some homers today. That is, if the offenses decide to hit. Now, this season, Ober actually gave up four earned runs in his 2022 debut versus the Mariners, but then he bounced back more recently going six innings pitched, scoreless against the Red Sox. A really good bounce back. Now, against the White Sox, Ober, most familiar opponent, pitched five games against them, accumulated a record of 1-1, one and one, an ERA of 4.76, 22.2 innings pitched, allowed 22 hits, 12 earned runs, six of them homers, Eight walks, 24 strikeouts, opponent batting average, meaning the White Sox had a batting average against Ober of 244. Oddly enough, the Twins won every home game he started versus the Sox and conversely lost every road game that Ober started against the Sox. So at guaranteed rate field, if Bailey Ober was starting, the Sox got the best of him. If it was at Minnesota's home turf, well, the Twins would win. I don't know if that's going to translate, but taken into account. Kind of odd, but came through. Maybe it's O'Bear, by the way. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. Uh, batting splits. The White Sox on the road this season. 636 OPS. Not good, right? Well, it's actually worse at home. 581. Now against lefties, you know what the White Sox do. They dominate. 855 OPS. Bad news. They're facing a righty today. And they have a OPS of 540 versus righties. Yikes, Chicago, that's what we address. You got to beat top teams, you got to play on the road, and you got to hit righties. They haven't done any of that yet. So how can you trust them? You can't. 
Minnesota, well, they're not the greatest hitting team either. 618 OPS at home, 625 OPS versus righties. Not great. Plus, Minnesota's bullpen is a little concerning with an ERA of 4.67. The White Sox, solid bullpen, ERA 3.15. Who can get out early? That's the big question here. I don't trust either pitcher. I would trust Kopech a little bit more so, but again, the underlying metrics are pretty concerning, but also so are they for over. So I don't know what the hell to do here. And I get why the total went from eight to seven and a half, not necessarily because these pitchers are great. It's more so because the offenses have not been great. So I don't know, man. I don't know how to bet this one. What I would do, wait till the lineup gets released. Go to ESPN, look at the matchup, see how these guys have done against each respective pitcher, see if one guy's dominated more than the other, and then maybe look for you know a home run prop or a hit prop at Bet Rivers. They got good options there. And overall, too, just to help you gauge which hitters have had the advantage, then that will give you an idea of who to bet on the money line if you want to. That's the way I would approach this game. Kind of an ugly spot. I honestly would lean twins or nothing. I don't want to bet the Twins. I probably will not. But that's where I would lean just based on the fact the White Sox can't hit righties or on the road that well. But again, Minnesota not hitting great at home or against righties themselves. So you're kind of in a conundrum here. Probably best just to stay away. Have to talk about it, though. Cubs should get a win today. And for you Sox fans out there, well, hopefully the Southsiders pull in the W column themselves. All righty. But the most important thing, guys, is that we get another Bulls dub. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we would love to see. And by the time I get off my flight, hopefully I'm seeing red, baby. Well, for the good reasons. <laughs> hopefully I'm seeing red for the Bulls. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Be sure to check out Rush Hour tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Follow your boy on Twitter at DannyBurke5. Always appreciate if you like or subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, whatever it may be. Much appreciated. Love the feedback and love the contribution. So let me know what you're betting for tonight and this weekend. And hopefully we get a win with the Bulls and our baseball teams and we cash some winners along the way. Enjoy your weekend, folks. We'll be back next week. Until then, take care, ladies and gentlemen.